just talking about he's alive somewhere he's alive here how many believe that amen you can be seated for a moment what a wonderful weekend we're looking forward to and just want to say what a privilege it is to be able to be here part of this youth meeting I reckon that's what it is a youth meeting but I see a, a lot of not so youth but uh it's just certainly always a wonderful privilege to be, amen, a part of a service. And I want to thank Brother Tim, amen, for the privilege to be here and uh, the wonderful ministry that you have here. I know that you're very blessed. We also want to thank uh, you that have taken in the young people into your homes. And some of those young people are from our church, and we want to appreciate that. And I know the Lord will bless you for it. How many is expecting a, a wonderful time in the Lord? Not only that, you're expecting to enjoy it, but how many is expecting to receive something from the Lord? We don't want to just come here to, to watch. We want to be a part of it. And you don't have to be young to be part of it. Is that right? And I, I can't wait to hear Brother Ron preach tomorrow and, and, and his son. Yeah. We're, amen. Amen. We're all wearing these pins, and for Brother Ron's sake, uh, you know, we just believe, amen, that God has healed our brother. And I don't know if any of you know, we've come through kind of a strange year. And, uh, and I, carried, I carried this book around in my Bible all year long, because uh, what the enemy wanted to try to put on our church was fear. Fear of something nameless or something that could come upon them, fear of contact. Fear of even going to church, shaking hands, fear of seeing you uncovered, uh, fear. And people became afraid to fellowship and to go to church, not to go to Walmart, but to go to church. They were afraid of those things. And I thought how important it is. For us to understand that the same God that told our prophet. And actually, I just I read this to the church. And I want to read it to you before we start off. He said, an angel sent from the presence of the Lord has given Brother Branham an infallible prescription that will heal any sufferer. Listen to the angel's word. If you can get the people to believe, nothing shall stand before you. Say nothing. Nothing shall stand before you, not even cancer. He said, truly the Lord is good to those who would soon die to willingly guide them to complete deliverance. If you have cancer or have a fear of it, remember there's a God-given healing. The fear of anything is often the reason we fall victim to it, whether sickness or something else. And the Word of God tells us not to fear or set our minds on such things. And he goes on to tell the statistic of a 
of a doctor telling them that when they began to fear that it contributed to the fact that so many people are stricken with it. And they indirectly worried themselves to the place they injured their nervous system and hurt their bodies in other ways. And he said, surely if a medical doctor can reason that fear is an impelling force behind cancer, then we as Christians should realize all the more we should not fear. But praise the Lord for his goodness and mercy and let our minds rest in trust and love upon the good things of God. And that's what I want to do this weekend, don't you? I believe that God is, is going to do wonderful things this weekend for our young people. I believe there's going to be people filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I believe there's going to be people healed and delivered of bondages, maybe that you've never been able to break free from, but today is your time. Amen. Amen. And I know this. The prophet said that Satan hates the book of Genesis and he hates the book of Revelation. You know why? Because Genesis shows his beginning and Revelation shows his end. I got good news for you. We're in Revelation. Hallelujah. We're in Revelation. And it says in the first chapter of Genesis, the Spirit of God moved. And it said in the first chapter of Revelations, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I want you to know the Spirit of the Lord is still moving. And he moves to confirm his word. And I just want to read to you a couple things the prophet said. I know this is all familiar to you, but it's just good to, to start off a meeting this way. When John said, I was in the spirit, he said, I love that. And that could be said, this is the whole of the Christian life, is to be in the spirit. Amen. If we're going to live as Christians, we have to be in his spirit. John was not talking about being in his own spirit. So this goes beyond your enthusiasm. Amen. That would not have brought the visions. It had to be the spirit of God. It has to be the spirit of God with us too. Or our efforts are in vain. Paul said, I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll sing in the Spirit. I'll live in the Spirit. If there's anything good that will come to me, it has to be revealed by the Spirit, confirmed by the Word, and made manifest by the result it bears. I believe, amen, that's what we will see. Amen. He goes on to say, let me use another illustration. Suppose you need healing. How many need healing? What does the Word say? He said, we've read it countless times, but did not get in the spirit when reading it. Did we ask God for his spirit to teach us the real truth of it? If we did, we would call the elders, confess our sins, be anointed and prayed for, and that would be that. It might not come immediately, but in his spirit, it is all over. There is no other court of appeal. There is no other court of appeal. So he said, oh, how we need to get in the spirit and then things will be done. Don't go through the acts first. Get in the spirit and then go through the acts and watch what God will do. Can't wait to see what he does. Let's stand together if we will. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Our gracious heavenly father, what a privilege it is, oh God, to stand in front of your people that you've called for your name's sake. We believe we're living at the end, Father. We believe, amen, the times have come upon us and these are the chosen ones. you chosen to manifest what you're doing in this hour. Amen, the church of God is a lighthouse, a light post, a, an outpost against sin and against unbelief, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would come in a mighty way and show yourself 
that we can say, oh, what hath God hath wrought. Lord, I, I'm speaking for my own congregation, for the young that have come, that you would, Lord, pour out your spirit upon them, oh God. Lord, as we enter into these meetings, we'll shake off tiredness and we'll be alert in our mind, Lord, and we'll recognize the enemy's tricks that he's tried to play upon us and we realize you didn't call us to be the tail, you called us to be the head. You called us to be overcomers, oh God. And I pray you'll help me, oh Lord, give me strength in my body, anoint my lips, anoint the ears of the hearer, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Numbers. The 22nd chapter. And I want to make a, or rather title the service tonight. It be kind of a strange title, but I want to title it Dangerous. Dangerous. The prophet said that the devil knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for, that she can do the greater works, she'll be an invincible army. That makes you dangerous. And we talk about how dangerous the enemy is and what he can do to us and what he's done and all the works and the destruction he's had and all the things we've seen in our, even our own families and, and the church problems and everything. Danger. And we live in perilous, dangerous times, but you're dangerous. And I want to speak to you young people that way, what God has called you to be in this hour. Amen. Amen. Numbers 22, the ver verse 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. I want you to notice something that he told Balaam there's a people come out of Egypt. He don't know their true identity. He just knows where they came from. Amen. And he says, come, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they're too mighty for me. They're dangerous. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursed is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. <clears throat> and God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, is sent unto me, saying, Behold, 
There is a people come up out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them, peradventure. I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. You can be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. <clears throat> we realize that when we read some of these stories out of the Old Testament that people's attention can start to wander because they look at these things as maybe just some history or, or things like that. But we know this is more than history. The prophet of God said the Bible's a history book. It's also prophecy. It's also prophecy. It's also a love story. It's what God has wrote to you. Amen. And so the Old Testament being a, a, a shadow of the new and Israel being a shadow or a type, uh, natural Israel being a type of the spiritual church, we see the things that we read <clears throat> are still at work. And it's also a way that we can know the enemy and, and know his works. The prophet of God told us that, amen, we ought to study the enemy because we know the enemy studies us and he studies our weaknesses. In fact, he, he, he looks to see how we uh, will use what has been given to us. Brother Branham said that Satan studies our strategy with the word. Like we, we have the preaching of the word going forth tonight, and he's going to watch and see how you retain that word and then how you'll use it. Will you believe that it's actually talking about you, or is this just another sermon that is being preached by another preacher? And, and is it just uh, something that's going forth? We're filling up time. We're, we're kind of excited, and we've enjoyed the, the social part of it. Or is it something deeper than that, that his word is still alive and, and God is, is, is imparting something to us tonight, amen, something that is eternal and is already a part of his word, amen, that the enemy, amen, knows that if you get a hold of this, he is really, amen, losing, amen, possessions that he once called his own. I just, I just want to, I just want to show you just so you see where my, my thought process is on this, what Satan knows. Brother Bram said the message at thy word. He says, you're here, Lord, and the devil knows his time has come. Amen. Now, the devil knows that. Do you know that? He knows his time has come. Now, I want you to notice what he said. To this woman entering into this fear of faith. Here. So the woman is entering in. She's in the building. Physically, she's there. She's listening. But as the prophet is talking to her, he said, She's entering into a sphere of faith, and he knows he's got to lose. For when she enters into something, it makes her beyond her condition. But now she is dangerous to what Satan has planned for her. Amen. And we're dealing with these spirits that have come into the church. What I'm reading to you here in, in, uh, in Numbers is something that is also spoke about in Revelation. The same spirits are at work. They come all the way over into the Gentile church and are, are doing things in that church for one purpose is to hinder the work of God and destroy and prove his word wrong. And to put a habit in the church of Balaamism and Nicolaitanism and, and Jezebelism. Not different spirits, the same spirit. 
just working from depth to depth, put it in the church until the people are so bound down by fundamentalism and formalism that the Spirit of God cannot move and is a stranger to them until that when he begins to move, they say it's not the way our church looks at it. That's what Satan is afraid of. That people will start forgetting what kind of pedigrees they came out of and they'll start, amen, losing themselves in a sphere of faith where all things are possible. Amen, like cancer. Amen, like any kind of disease, any besetting sin, that you will begin to rise up in a sphere of faith. The devil told you the Holy Ghost is not for you, but you will begin to rise up in a sphere of faith. And I want to tell you, there is nothing, nothing can stop you from receiving it then. Hallelujah. Not one, I'm talking from the youngest. Do you know what it does to a devil of generations? Amen, when a little child comes out and can defeat a devil that has been around since the beginning of time. Here's somebody here that the devil cannot stop. You are that generation. You are that kind of people. You're the people David would want in his army. You're the people Moses would want following him. You're the people that Jesus would call. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't get too excited. This is how Mennonites preach. Why would we have a why would we have a scripture like this? Israel has been a long time, been a long time in the wilderness, but it's about to be over. And Satan wants them to be fearful at their time of crossing. Well, I want to start out these meetings by reading another quote. I've already read a couple, so. Jesus knows the word by experience. He knows it by revelation. He knows he's the son of God that was to come into the world. He knows his standing. He knows he's born in this world for that purpose. And that's the reason the word of God could work through him because he knew what he was. He says, have you caught it yet? He knew what he was. Satan knew, knew what he was, and he knew he had no business with his wisdom on the word because the word is God. Now, if Jesus knew who he was, that he was a predestinated creature of time, Jesus, the body, knew he was the predestinated word, the person of God that was to stand in that day to be the sacrifice of sin. And he knew his adversary. And he knew who he was. Therefore, those two great forces come together, knowledge and faith. Jesus knew the Bible as good as Jesus did, but it wouldn't work for Satan. When you, I want to tell you the difference between Satan's wisdom on the Bible and your faith on the word. Satan knows the Bible perhaps better than anybody in this room, but there's one thing you can do that he cannot do, and that is you can live the word, and he cannot, for it is not for him. 
he may know the word. He may be able to blog about it. He may be able to send you emails, Brother Tim, amen, of deception sinners or whatever they're called. He may be able to do all of those things, but he cannot live the word. Forrest, he can't live what you live. Oh, so if, Satan, if Jesus defeated Satan upon faith, knowing who he was, he was a predestinated creature, are you ready? What about the predestinated bride of Jesus Christ now? You believe the bride is predestinated? That means, amen, that if I'm here, I'm not here by chance. God predestinated me to this hour. That means the Holy Ghost is not by chance. The altar call is not by chance. Healing is not by chance. God predestinated it for this hour. You say, how do I know it's for me? Because I'm here. You are here to receive what God has predestinated for you in this hour. Predestinated bride of Christ, now the church, the word seed, with everything God promised to put in the church is in it right now. Everything is in order. The Holy Spirit has been given. The, spirit, the seed has been sowed. The evening lights are shining. The sign of Sodom is here and Malachi 4. It's a predestinated church. Oh, devil. Church of the living God here and on tape too. You didn't know it. You was on tape. You're here. Do you know where you stand? Do you know you're called of God? That the Holy Ghost reigns in your heart and every word of God is real to you. Oh, brother, how is Satan going to stand against it? How's he going to stop it from growing? Listen, this is a good start to the meeting. How's he going to stop it? Amen. How's he going to keep signs from following? You throw them in jail. I don't care what you do. They tried it. They rotted in jails, fed the lions, sawed asunder, jerked to pieces. You can't kill a church that's predestinated. Those he foreknew, he has called. Those he's called, he has justified. And those he has justified, he's already glorified. And now in the last days with every seed sowed, everything in order, the world in its order. Do you, have you ever seen such chaos? The world is in order. It's order. Time is shaped up. The church is in its order. The seed, the evening lights, the signs, like he said, as it was on the days of Sodom. An angel of God, the Holy Spirit, coming down and moving and performing the signs he did then. Malachi 4, amen, that he promised he would send in the last days what he promised. And we see it all right here. Sure, right here in the last days of predestinated church, knowing where they're standing, sowed with the seed, the Holy Spirit is in the church. Satan, be careful. I want to ask you a question. What has Satan got to be careful of? What does he have to be afraid of? He's got to be afraid of the Holy Spirit in you that is lined up with the order of the hour. Because I don't know about you, the greatest hope the church has is the, is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is in order. Can it be, Brother Danny? Absolutely. It's exactly what the scripture said. It may not have come to pass the way you thought it would, but it's coming to pass. Perhaps faster than you thought it would. Let's look at some of the things that are in order. 
In this scripture that I've read to you, we have a colliding of events, of people and of time. We're going to get to those people in a minute. We have the prophecy of God to Abraham. And he told him in the fourth generation, you'll come hither again. They will come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. God was telling Abraham that I cannot do some things that, that perhaps you would want to hurry up and do now. But we've got to wait till the iniquity is full. The cup has to be full. And God told Abraham that his seed would possess the land after 400 years. Now God has said, I'll give you the land. You fall heir to it. But the land already has inhabitants. People with customs and habits that will not be allowed to stay there. They can't be enjoyed by the church and they can't be tolerated by the church and they can't be compromised with by the church. We can't have them. They're actually disinherited because they will not follow God's ordinance. Because they had their own ordinance. And the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but we should also see that there is a time that the long-suffering of God is over. And you know, I'm speaking more than about Canaan and the Amorites and Abraham's seed. I'm talking about America. I'm talking about the bride of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the time we're living in. God speaks to Abraham of this time. He speaks to him that this promise would begin to be fulfilled after four generations. And it would be in that generation they would come to Canaan. Now, what would keep Israel from taking the land before that was God would not thrust the people out of the land without cause. And he gives to Abraham the cause, and that is the iniquity is not yet full. Prior to Israel going into the land, Israel would have to believe that the land belonged to them. That it's not their land and that church's land and that people's land and that tribe's land, but it's my land and not yours. And why would it be my land and not yours? Because God thrust you out. Would not have you because you would not have him. So they would have to realize that they had just cause to take a land they had never seen. They would have to believe they're not taking someone else's land, but they're taking their land back. They would have to be convinced this land is my land. And to do this, God himself would have to visit them and by his presence change their lives to fulfill the promise. And his very word of his presence would change their spirit from slaves to overcomers. You know, when you have a church full of slaves, you're constantly trying to tell them that they don't have to be that way. But when you preach to a church of overcomers, you don't have to keep telling them they're overcomers. Spirit in them knows that already. Amen. They would, very word that was given to them would be the restoration of the word that God had given Abraham, a restoration of the truth the putting away of falsehoods. Now, on the other side, the land was full of iniquity and God had had enough. But he would not, and this is important, he would not thrust out a people and fill up the land with a people like them. Say it again. He's not going to thrust out a people and fill up the land with people like the ones he thrust out. Yeah. 
then if he did, God is not God. It's not just. Amen. But the reason he's thrusting the people out is because it's fulfilling his word. That the cup of iniquity is full. Because God even sets boundaries on evil. Evil can go so far and then God says, I've had enough. Amen. You can vote me out. You can get rid of me out of the churches. You can take me out of the pulpit. Amen. But you haven't got rid of me. And so when he sets boundaries on evil, he calls it iniquity. At that time, he said it's not full. But when it was full, then you'll possess the land. That word full in the Hebrew means shalem, and it means complete. When iniquity is complete, but it has an emphasis, it says when iniquity is completely friendly. Now, what would that mean that it is especially friendly? That, you know, know, does that mean iniquity gets better and better, and I, I like it more and more? What does that mean? Iniquity is especially friendly. So I want you to pay close attention to that word there. We'll get back to Numbers 22, but just understand where, what the children of Israel are coming into. So with this word meaning complete, their iniquity would be complete, but it is emphasizing this word friendly. Iniquity is friendly. Now think of this word friendly. In other words, they are no longer strangers with evil, but now they have become accepting and friends of it, and they change themselves to become it. So when God lays down his principles to Israel on their own conduct in the land, he shows them how far the Amorites have gone. And when he uses this word, the people, the uh, fullness of iniquity, he says they're friendly with it. They are accustomed to it. And God had warned the Jews not to follow the ordinances of the Canaanites who lived in the land, for the cup would become full when it becomes ordinances. When iniquity becomes ordinance. Leviticus 18.3 said, After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwell, you shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, where I bring you, you shall not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinance. The key word is, iniquity has become protected by law. And when it becomes protected by law and becomes the custom of the nation, it becomes the custom of the people. And they start trying to cancel out the ordinances of God in order to lift up their ordinances. I want you to know the cup is full and it is time to change the scene. When they start trying to cancel our history, I want you to know it's not Confederate statues they're wanting to pull down. They want to pull down every statue of the living God. They want to pull down church. They want to pull down Christian. They want to pull down the Holy Ghost. But I want you to know we will not be pulled down. We will be taken up. God will not allow his word to be pulled down and become powerless. But God said, I have a people that I have restored back to my ordinance by Malachi 4. Malachi 4 is not a debatable doctrine. It is a revelation of the move of the Holy Spirit. 
and I'm looking at a room full of people whose hearts have been turned. An enactment, it's a translated custom, it's a manner, it's a statue. And when things like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah begin to be protected and a livelihood begin to be protected, a perversion begins to be protected and becoming an ordinance. And this, what I'm doing today, becomes a hate crime. Amen. God says the cup of America is full. You want to protect spirits that hold my people bound. You want to protect perversion that makes them lose their identity. This isn't a gender problem. It's a God problem. People have forgot what they were. Churches have forgot what the pulpit is for. We have a church full of victimizations. Church full of victims. If you think of yourself as a victim, you'll never change. Oh, Brother Danny, we need reparations. We need this. We need that. I want to tell you, amen, you need restoration. You don't need no evil government to stand up for you and say, oh, you need this. Don't work. We'll give you money. You do this. Don't work. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. Just accept what we are. Let me tell you, the church of the living God don't need me to be propped up by evil. Amen, she knows who she is and she knows the God she serves. Amen, says I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Brother Danny, but I'm scared. Amen, they'll shut our churches down. They'll shut them down anyhow. But they'll never shut down the voice. And the voice is not a tape. The voice is a living Holy Ghost. Living in his people. I don't need to push a tape to take preeminence over a spirit. Amen, but the God in me will rise up. Somebody help me preach this evening. I have not started this race, amen, to quit it. I have started this race to finish it. My God has not brought me this far to give up now. And my God has not said, Go out and start another website against the prophet. He never called me to do that. He called me to be a confirmation of Malachi 4. Then we're just going to do a tag team. Is already is it all right to get wore out after 10 minutes? All right. Let's look at these characters for just a minute. You love the Lord. Israel's coming at a pivotal time. She's not just arrived at a random moment. It is when God has predestinated a fullness of iniquity. And in Numbers 22, we're given an inside look at a high-level meeting between powers and principalities, rulers of nations. 
Now the Bible says Balak was afraid. Do you know Balak's name means devastator? Here the devastator is afraid. Who's he afraid of? He's not just afraid of Israel. He's afraid of what they represent. And I want you to tell you who Israel is because we're going to talk about that for a while. This is not just Israel. This is the new generation. This is the new generation coming up. And Balak, the devastator, is afraid. So he calls on Balaam, who means not of the people. He's not for the people. His Hebrew, Hebrew meaning he's a swallower of nations. It's all about him. So it's a collaborative effort. It's a gathering together for one reason. The forces are gathering together for one reason. Israel is approaching. Amen. You know, there might not have been a whole lot of people know about this meeting, but I guarantee there are some forces knew about it. And Israel is approaching with a proven experience and a proven power. Israel is in her training. She's being trained for takeover and for inheritance. And the devil knows that in the Holy Ghost there's identification. And if you realize that you're not a part of a movement, but you're part of a predestinated plan, he'll not be able to stop you. If he can just get you to think you're part of a movement called the message. Amen, it's just another side note that could have been a denomination or another church and we can take our pick or what flavor even of a message church. But if he can keep you thinking you're in a movement that you can be persuaded out of, you have no power. But when you realize I have come here by the predestinated plan of God, I am a part of the predestinated movement just like Jesus Christ was a part. Amen, it was a fullness of it. I am here to be his body. Man, if you realize that you're not part of a movement, you're part of a plan of God. The Spirit of God is not something that you can school into a person. You don't have schools of the Holy Ghost. Brother Danny, I got the Holy Ghost. I believe the message. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe the message? Amen. It's something the prophet said that's predestinated into you by the hand of Almighty God. Your experiences cannot be schooled or taught into you. It's predestinated by God's hand and God's foreknowledge. Now, when, the, when Balak was afraid and he's calling for help because Israel is approaching, the fear of Israel is starting to envelop the land. Rahab will say, I know the Lord has given you the land, and your terror has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants faint because of you. Let me tell you, this is extremely precious knowledge, extremely precious intelligence of the enemy's thought process, that they are extremely afraid of you. I look out here and I'm like, what do they have to be afraid of? We're talking about another realm. For she said, we heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. That was one generation. When you come out of Egypt, and what 
you did unto the two kings of the Amorites. That's the second generation. That were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. This is an inside look. Young people, are some of you sitting here gripped with things that you've never been able to break. But this is an inside look at the thought process of what's holding you. You can't break free from lust because you're a victim of your fathers. You can't change because you can't help it. That spirit is extremely afraid that even on the first night, you realize that his hold has been not as strong as you thought it was. So what God wants to do is change. You see, that's what prayer lines, that's what laying hands on is all about, is you start to move into a sphere of faith that the devil has lost every time in that sphere. You know, I told our church at the beginning of 2020, how many's ever heard of 2020? I told our church in 2020, I did not believe that, amen, if, if, if we're the bride of Jesus Christ, we could not get COVID. I never said that. I said, I can't tell you you won't get sick, but I want to tell you one thing about this disease. You do not have to be afraid because my God has never been defeated. He has never been defeated. Somebody hear me. He has never been defeated. He's the champion of champions. Amen. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. He has never, never been defeated. Hallelujah. No wonder he's afraid. Israel is at a pivotal moment. We're at a pivotal moment. I love this. As I just go through it and read about it. I love it because I know what it can do for you young people. They have watched. They've been in the wilderness almost 30, 40, 40 years. I believe the book of Exodus covers about the space of one year. The book of Leviticus about a month from what I understand. But the book of Numbers covers about 38 and a half years. Wanderings. Book of Numbers is an incredible book, what God does there. It should have been a short journey, but it's taken them this long to get to this point. And the book of Numbers is covering, in chapter 1, the first census of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai, and they count the number of Fighters from the age of 20 and up, how many they would have. Amen. That God puts the tribes in their order. He separates the Levites for the service of the tabernacle, puts them in order. They observe their first Passover since departing Egypt. Why? Because God is a God of order. He orders man to his place, and no one can take that place. And that's what God is doing here with Israel. He's changing them from slaves 
to promised land people. Promised land people are very different from slave people. Slave people, you got to persuade, you got to push. You got to tell them how important they are. Amen. Promised land people have already been told something. And by somebody bigger than me. Amen. Israel comes from Egypt, a slave people, unsuited for the promised land, unsuited for the promise of God. But God is transforming them because that's what he does. He's got transforming power, and he transforms them to promised land people by the word he's given them and the order it is producing. There's no word like the word of God. They've heard the word from Mount Sinai, and they've built the tabernacle for worship, and the Aaronic priesthood has been set up, and they're witnesses of the supernatural, and they're walking in the supernatural. Slaves live day to day at the mercy of their slave masters. And come be prayed for on Sunday, and on Monday you couldn't help it. Well, I tried, Brother Danny, but what you told me didn't work. How many have you ever heard that? I mean, I should ask you, have you ever heard that? Anyway. You know, you try, you try it all, and you just know. I mean, that they want you to do it. Slaves want somebody else to do it. They want somebody else to carry them. Remember, promised land people, they know they're living with purpose. They know they go through things for purpose. Brother Ron, you go through for purpose. Brother Branham, in greatest battle ever fought, he said, I thought of God's great army up there, the stars and the moon and everything. And he said, if there's a moving of them anywhere, it's for a cause. See, we're God's great army. We come here, it's for a cause. Amen. He said, and it, and it will affect the earth. And we see the results of it now. Some of them move into other spots. It's affecting everything. And I thought if that great heavenly host like that has to keep its place to make everything in order, what about the disorder of the earthly host? When one gets out of order, how it throws the whole thing out of cater. We so easily dismiss the instruction of God and we do what we want because we think it suits us. And don't realize our actions put things out of order the whole program of God is upset when one member gets out of order we should continually strive to keep the order of the spirit I would to God that we bring this to a real healing service and we will tonight by the help of the Lord that the group under this roof will be gathered in such a harmony that the Holy Spirit would place every member of the body here in such harmony till there be a spontaneous healing of our body if we would just hold our position. Brother Daddy, how am I going to hold my position tonight? Stay alert. Amen. Stay in tune. Stay with the word. Your position is important to the person around you. How often we hear the prophet, don't move around. So God has placed them in order for he's taken them over to the crossing united. United. He's positioning for them, them for their inheritance. He's getting them ready. A prepared people 
for a prepared place. And we're watching this high-level meeting. It's a strategy. How can we best disrupt and defeat the advance that's dangerous to our way of life? What is dangerous to our power? What is dangerous to our authority? Israel represents a clear danger to idolatry, to adultery, to unclean living. Israel represents a clear dangerous danger to disease for they have an antidote with them. Don't go to sleep now. This is a good time to pay attention. Israel is dangerous to superstition and unbelief for they represent the true and living God. I want you to say this message that I believe in and I'm living in is dangerous to every way of unclean living around us. You can leave it, but you're not live right. Amen. It's dangerous to idolatry. It's dangerous to the things of the world. I want you to know the spirits that are trying to hold some of our young people. Amen. This way of life is dangerous to your way of life. These spirits that have held you for years, this is a dangerous moment for them. It's a dangerous moment for those who don't know if they got the Holy Ghost or not. For tonight is your night. This is a dangerous moment to the enemy because he knows that now the one that's ruled your mind is going to be put under your feet. You're not going to wake up tomorrow defeated. You're going to wake up tomorrow a danger to the enemy's plans. Blessed be the name of God. Dangerous to every disease. Dangerous to cancer. Dangerous to high blood pressure. Dangerous to diabetes. Dangerous to homosexuality. I got news for you. If you don't know who you are tonight, you don't know what set you up, amen, you can come to a message that I'll tell you. You think the cancel culture that hit our nation this year and the riots and everything is new? No, they've been rioting against the prophet trying to cancel him out for a long, long time. But they came too late because he's already gone in his work, amen. Amen has been completed and is being completed. And amen, the devil came too late to stop the seed that has already been sown. What, the de- what God has placed inside of me, the devil cannot take it out. He can try, he can cry, but he's come too late. Amen, he told me it's your daddy's religion, but he's wrong, it's my religion. Don't take this story as history because it's your story. Think about it. We've come and we've spread out before the enemy. And he begins to call, hey! He's not calling little alley rats out here. He's calling the top guys. Why are you so important? He is calling the top guys. I mean, you know how many names Balaam has been called through his career? He's been called as 
prophet, came a soothsayer, huh? He came some of the mothers I can't remember, but he was those two. He is a man of influence. And Balak realizes if I can get him, because you stop and think about it, what is a curse going to do to God's people? What curse can stop them? Why in the world is God going to spend all this time on this? And he's not going to allow him to curse Israel. But why is it such a story? Why would a curse be of such importance? Because God can remove a curse anytime he wants. But he knows, Satan knows what mandates do to people. Now, I'm only taking this off, Brother Ron, not because I want to take this pen off. I'm hot. Thank you. He knows what mandates do to people. He knows people follow mandates blindly sometimes. They know that the devil tells them don't go to church or stop. Mandates. You know, I, I used to think <clears throat> that church was a good place to get healed, but apparently it's not anymore. Church is just a place of information. You're sick and you know it. Amen. But I used to think that church used to be a place of the living God. Where that people can move up into the spheres of faith and be healed. And that no disease, not even cancer, could stand before you. Amen. That when your faith would begin to rise up and you begin to know that the God of the Bible is also my God. And I'm a part of that Bible. And it ain't no mandate going to keep me back, Brother Darren. That's why the devil wants to mask us up and shut us up and separate us and social distance us. And he wants you to be more afraid of the one that can kill your body. But I want you to know, don't be afraid of that guy. You be afraid of the one that can kill both body and soul. That's the one we're serving. Amen. And if he can kill my body and soul, he can also resurrect it. And we are living in the day of resurrection. Are you preaching against the way people handled COVID? Absolutely not. But I am preaching against fear that keeps you bound and the mandates the devil wants to hold over your life. I want to worship together. Look what power we got going right now that in just a moment, amen, every cancer is gone. Every devil is defeated. What a moment. We are dangerous to the devil's plans. The devil said, this is my Eden, but God said, I got a generation in there you'll not be able to change. They won't look like you, they won't talk like you, and you'll not shut them up. Why are you talking like that, Brother Danny? Because the prophet told me, he said, don't just train. Amen. Train to make a knockout punch. So I'm not just going to try to react to the devil. I'm going to charge him. 
Amen. It's time to quit waiting to see what he'll do. Amen. Let him see what I'm made for. Amen. I'm, I've been trained. I have been trained. I have been trained by the champion of champions. You talk about a boxer. Amen. You talk about a boxer. Amen. There was a day, amen, 2,000 years ago where an ordinary looking man walked up a hill and the same be a death that took Moses down. The same be a death that took David down. The same be a death that took Abraham down. Looked at him and said, he don't look no different than them. But Brother Ram said he had something, amen, that could take the stinger from him. I want you to know, amen, my Lord is not just a fighter. He's a champion of champions. And when that devil sunk his stinger in, amen, the Lord grabbed a hold of it. Amen, now what can you do, devil? You can't hold these people if they want to be free. Your time is over. I said your time is over. We've been trained to make a knockout punch. I want to give him one tonight. I want the devil to know, amen, I'm part of that generation. Amen, that has gone up. Come on, Eli. It's for you. I'm that generation. Anybody in here want to identify with that generation? You're going to stay back with some defeated devil. Drugs can't stop you. Sex can't stop you. Amen. No devil. Alcohol can't stop you. False doctrine can't stop you. Just a moment. I want to tell you something about this. Numbers 22. Brother Bam said there's a bunch of fundamentalists that was gathering. A bunch of fundamentalists gathering together against the children of Israel. He said, we saw that same spirit 2,000 or 1,000 years later. Fundamentalists crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's fundamentalists trying to do the same thing today. Well, this is just excitement. Brother Danny, this is excitement. We believe the word. But what do you think the word does? I thought the word was for... Well, no, Brother Danny, the word is just for soul and spirit. But it's also for the body. Now you shall serve the Lord with all the heart and all your mind and with all your strength. Where's Drew? Just strength. Brother Bram said, when I started training as a boxer, I said I got in professional fighting. I used to have a channel. Didn't you know Brother Danny? Brother Branham never was a professional. I don't care. You know what I found out? I listened to Brother Branham, and I got a lot of answers. I got a lot of results. I listened to these fellas that say these things are wrong. They ain't brought one thing. 
They don't even need to bring a picnic basket to the meeting. There ain't nothing they got. They can't even bring you rotten apples. Why in the world would you let somebody who's been your friend leave the message and try to persuade you out and you get shook up because of socialism? All that means is the God they had, amen, was not the one they thought it was. Oh, Brother Danny, they had the Holy Ghost. Oh, they might have had a fall on them, but it never could hold them because it never went to where they surrendered. Because they never surrendered their heart. I had a man tell me one time, he said, I served God in this message with all my heart, with all my strength. I said, no, you didn't. I said, if you'd have served him with your heart, he would have never gave it back. God don't give the heart back. Brother, Brother Branham said Six Second Smith when he was training me. He said he that man liked to kill me. He'd knock me out of the ring in training. I was skipping rope and running seven or eight miles a day and taking all the training. I said, Six, why do you have to do me that way? See, I said, you'd knock the breath out of me, man. I went plumb over four ropes and came out amongst the chairs and liked to broke my back on him. And he laughed at me. Said, it'll do you good. I said, do me good. How can it do me good? You're about to kill me. He said, look, Billy, I don't care how physically fit you are. I don't care how many quotes you can quote. I don't care how much knowledge you've got. Amen. But when the punchings are going to come, you're not going to be able to stand it right quick if you take a hard punch. He said, if your body's not used to coming back, you'll lay there and take the count. But if your body's used to taking it, every time you get hit, it shocks your blood and runs back to the heart. He said, but if your body's used to coming back, when you get knocked down, you'll get on your feet again. It doesn't mean a thing when you get knocked down. You'll get on your feet again. Amen. You might have took a punch and you might have took another punch, but you kept coming back. You know why? The king of kings has trained him. Amen. Great in battle. Hallelujah. We didn't start this fight to lose it. We started it to win it. You can take a punch. And you took them for a year and you took some punches, but you can't come back. I want you to know your preaching on Sunday has inspired. Ah, oh, that's just preaching. It has inspired thousands to realize. <laughs> David's just looking for another drink of water again. Pretty sure the devil don't like this. Let me just talk about this new generation because this is a, this is a youth service. He's young. A lot of new cells in him. I want you. I want you to look at something. Balak wants to use the power of curse to defeat Israel. Israel has already come through some major shakeups. Let me. Dwell on some of those to show you the obstacles of the new generation. 
This new generation has seen many hindrances to their walk and their faith. They've seen dissatisfaction stir in the camps of Israel. Fire from the Lord went out from among them and destroyed many in the uttermost parts of the camp until Moses prayed and the fires quenched. Moses may have been wrong, but his prayer stopped the fire. Are you saying, Brother Danny, Moses is wrong? Maybe in the eyes of the mixed multitude. The mixed multitude among them fell for lusting for meat and remembering the fine things of Egypt. God sent them quail and the plague that destroyed many. And right in the prophet's own family, Aaron and Miriam murmured. Think about the hindrances of the new generation. Murmured against Moses. And it became a very public event. Because the glory of God came down in front of the tabernacle. He says, don't you fear God? Fear God to talk about him that way? To murmur against him? This is his own family. Changing the effect in his commission. Amen. And Miriam is struck with leprosy. It was a very public thing for the whole camp. Had to wait for her for a week till she's whole. We come to a major event. It changes everything for Israel. That's Kadesh Barnea. Where Moses sends out 12 spies who are to give a detailed report of the land and to travel by the route Moses gave them. These men that went out to spy the land, these weren't just anybody. These were rulers of the tribes of Israel who spied out the land. They came back with an evil report. Men of influence. Experts. Experts of the message. Think about the hindrances of the new generation. Weak. Don't have a voice. Watching experts. Used to lead them in singing. Used to preach to them. They watched experts. Turn their back after years and years of preaching and saying the prophet is, Brother Branham is a vindicated prophet and all these things were true. Turn their back. Turn their back on these young people. Turn their back on their congregation. Said, uh, you, You've been in a cult. Turn their back and said, Well, it's a good land. But we can't take it. Experts. Moses, you brought our children out here. You brought our wives out here to die. I'm going to talk to you about a miracle. You brought our children out here to die. And they murmured against Moses and, and against God. And God got so upset. He said, Moses, I'm going to destroy every one of them. And my love Moses' response, he turned to God and he said, God, what will the Egyptians say? That you could bring them out, but you can't take them in? They had a good start. Oh, man, he was a prophet when he was in discernment, but his message, amen, he got off at the end. What are you going to say? What is Egypt going to say about this message that it can't hold their young people? Can't take them all the way in? Oh, yeah, they're just another church. They look like all the other failing churches of America and around the world. Just another failing church. What is the Egyptians going to say, Lord? Pardon according to your mercy. God said, I'll pardon. But it's for these spies. I'm going to destroy them now. And all of these that said they can't take the land, they're going to wander in this wilderness for 
one year for every day they were in the promised land and they're going to wonder and they're going to wonder and they're going to wonder and I am going to destroy the entire adult population except for Joshua and Caleb and for those young weaklings you said were going to die I'm going to prophesy over them and I'm going to tell you those young ones you said would die you'll not die you will take the land I want you to know God has prophesied over you. God has said you're going to make it. God has said you're not going to be stopped. If God be for you, who can be against you? You've had many hindrances to your faith. You've had any hindrances to your walk, but God has prophesied. They'll know the land you despised. You despise this Holy Ghost, they'll get it. You've turned the Holy Ghost into a bunch of quotes, they'll get it. And they'll know me in the power. They won't hide it and have another brother's coat like Jacob did, but there'll be wrestlers. They'll meet the angel and they'll wrestle and they'll open up their heart and they'll tell them exactly who they are. I'm Jacob the liar, the deceiver. And I'll change them forever. I'm raising up a generation of wrestlers. Not somebody wearing somebody else's coat. I want it. Not for good. Okay, hang on. Let me take yours. He's more my size. I just want to see if you can get a half off. <laughs> Woo! I got his coat on. See, when I put on somebody else's coat, I got their experience. I'm talking about a God who does impossible math. I want you to know his experience is his experience. But God never asked me to put his coat on. He's got one all for me, made for me, that fits me exactly. I don't have to stretch myself. I don't have to act like him. I don't have to sing like him. Amen. I can have my own coat. Quit trying to give me your Holy Ghost. I want it from God. sword of the enemy but God swore these children will know the land that have been despised by their fathers let me say it again these children will know the land that even though your fathers may have despised it you will know it you'll experience its fruitfulness you'll be a partaker of what has been rejected There's a new generation that knows the power of God because the prophecy of God cannot fail. The weak ones will know the power. Look what this new generation had to face. Dathan and Abiram and Korah rose up shortly after. Said, Moses, you're not the only holy one. 
We also can tell you what the thunders are, what the Holy Ghost is. We got new apostles in the land. Our names are Abraham and Korah and that other guy. And they rebelled against Moses, claiming they too were holy men, and they gathered with them against Moses and Aaron. 250 famous men renowned. These movements weren't small movements. They were gathering the renowned people in the message. People of influence. Those little children looked at that. Said, how in the world can I resist this? God said, I'll show you who's holy. You come up here to church and let me see the way you respond to the fire of the Holy. They stayed in their tent. We're not going to come up. He said, all right, I'll kill you right there. And they died there. And the 250 died there. Abraham's. Abraham's and the other guy. Dathan and Abraham. Because they were not satisfied with their position. They was Reubenites and they lost. They had lost their place. Their first fruits. They'd lost their place as the firstborn, the Reubenites. And they're trying to take it back. And Korah, who's a Levite, but wanted to be the prophet. Wasn't satisfied with being part of the setting up of the tabernacle. The Bible says that he destroyed them and their families. But another wonderful thing took place in the second census. The Bible recounted it again in the counting of them all. And they counted the new generation. And then they recounted the story of Dathan and Abraham and Korah. They said, but notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. That means there were some children that broke the generation of their fathers. And if they believed their father's lie, they repented of it. Or they stood against what their father believed and said, we're not going to follow your movement, daddy. Amen. But we're going to stand. I'm going to go to church whether you quit or not. Amen. I'm going to worship God whether you do or not. If my father was a drunkard, I'm not going to be one. Amen. If there's alcoholism, if there's drugs in my family, amen, the cycle stops now. You know who came out of Korah? A bunch of singers. The sons of Korah that died not. A bunch of singers came out. Amen. Samuel the prophet. What about, it is important if you stand. What if the whole, amen, the whole uh, uh, genealogy of Korah had been destroyed? What if they had just listened to that voice that says, you don't preach anymore? It'd lose a generation of preachers. There's some sons of Korah that said, you know, I'm not going to listen to just the push play dogma. I have something to say too because the Holy Ghost is in me and it's unique through my vessel can tell you what my testimony is and what God has done for me. God didn't mean me to be a mindless person who just goes like this. Amen. He put me here to take the sword in my hand and be skillful with it. Amen. And show the devil there's another generation. Amen. That knows how to fight. That knows how to speak. That knows how to preach. God didn't just call Tim Pruitt and stop. He never just called, amen, Ron Spencer and stop. He called his son. Amen. He called his son. He called other young men. Stand up, young man. Amen. He calls others. Why? Because if it stops in that generation, that God is not the king of kings. 
But I want you to know God said there's a revival for every generation. It's for you. It's for you, young man. Who is going to run? Somebody run. shouted. That's why he wants to cancel you. Because you're God's property and you're God's property alone. Amen. Young man, my daddy told me as a young boy, he told me, don't believe what your mother believes. She's in a cult. Don't you believe it? It worked. I believe it. I'm part of that, well, there used to be new generation. Remember that one? What happened? I'm almost done. Amen. I want to tell you why the prophet said when every time Ben, haven't got yet to where he got there, up on the mountain. You know, Balaam is the first recorded road rage experience that we've seen, as far as I know. Got angry at his, at his donkey and beat him three times. Think about the man's car was more spiritual than him. That's some of the problems we got around the message right now. Amen. Their cars are more spiritual than them. I'm telling you, we got these smart cars. They tell us when to brake. They tell us to watch out for the cars beside us. They jerk the steering wheel out of our hands. They stomp on the brakes. They tell you, you know what my, my truck does? If I swerve a little bit few many times, a little sign flashes up with a little coffee cup and says, take a break. <laughs> I mean, my truck knows when I'm tired. It knows when I need coffee. I'm telling you, there's some vehicles more spiritual than people around. You know why that, you know why that donkey was more spiritual than Balaam? He saw God. Maybe we need to bring some cars in here. Amen. God, three times. There went Balaam losing his mind, beating an animal, and then talking to him. Road rage. Because he was more about himself than he was about the move of God. And God said, you know what? Brother Branham used this. He said, in, and does God change his mind? He said, this is a danger line. He said, where man... Here's the word of God, but then he won't do it. Then God will say, okay, go ahead and do what you want. I gave you a chance, Balaam. You ain't going to do it. Okay, go do what you want. And you'll still be anointed and think I'm with you. And I'll even speak through you some of the most beautiful portions of scripture ever recorded. But I want to tell you something, Balaam. I'm not going to let you write them down. You'll say them, but my prophet will write it. Amen. And you're going to prophesy, and you're going to look at Jacob, and you're going to say, let my end be like theirs. But your end's not going to be like theirs. That new generation is going to kill you in the last battle before they cross over. They're going to kill you. They're dangerous. You're dangerous. You understand how dangerous you are? 
You're dangerous to every devil that has ever afflicted every family of all the ages. You are dangerous because the cycle stops with this generation. And the devil says, I mean, I don't know what to do. Balaam is taken by Balak up to a place, the fundamentalists, they made their altars, they made their sacrifices, and then Balaam walks out there and says, Balak, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do what you ask, but I'm only going to say what God tells me to say. Well, hopefully here, finally get down to cursing that church. Don't he see all the problems in it? Look from the high places of Baal. Let Baal show you the wrong places in the message. Balaam looked down upon it. How goodly are thy tents. Man, I'm paying you, boy. I am going to make you famous. Don't you know? But I told you I can only say what he told me to say. You know, I'm, I got one for you, Brother Ron. thought about you today when I read it. But it's for you, every one of you. I want you to know. He got up again. Balak said, hey, listen. Okay, that one didn't work. Let me take you to over another website. These guys seem to have a little bit more experience. Some of them even, they know how to present some of these thoughts. And even some of the preachers can't refute it. So, you know, they just, you know, there's a lot of, lot of questions that are unanswered in the message. You know, we're living right in, in this time of a few thousand years ago, there was a huge question unanswered in the message. He had died. The one we thought was going to lead us to die. Huge question. And there's a lot of questions in the message. I'm going to lead you to another place. I want to look at this. Look, look, he got me. That church, there's people fell in adultery there. And people in there, they say they love God, but some of them, they're big, big time thieves. And look, I know we hear some young people, they can't quit their online habits. I know God is going to curse them. You ready? Balaam says, all right. Yeah, man, you're right. I don't know how in the world God would ever want a people like that. I'm going to open my mouth. The Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and he says, rise up, Balaam. Listen to me, you son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. If I told you to trust me, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you to trust me. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither a son of man that he should repent. God doesn't have to take anything back. he said and he shall not do it hath he spoken shall he not make it good I said trust me I'll make it good I said I'd give you a baby I'll make it good I said I'd heal you I'll make it good I'd say I'd save your children I'll make it good I will make it good
God is mighty. My God is awesome. There's no God like my God. I'm telling you, he's going after the prodigals right now. Had a boy in my church gone for six years in a wrong relationship. Amen. But God came down. Amen. Why? Because he had some believing parents. He had no believing sisters. I saw that boy. I'm tell you how you say God can't hold. He, oh yeah, he can hold. That boy was in a relationship with a worldly girl, living up in Milwaukee, working in the airline industry. He said we talk about marriage. He said, but we never made a commitment. He said, but when my heart began to turn back toward God, and I began to talk about it, she began to say I was a monster. And everything I began to believe began to come back. He was coming to himself. Amen. She left him. And he says, well, God received me. I said, come back home and find out. Amen. And he came back home. I want to tell you something. I'll tell you what your God said. He said, amen. He saw him coming afar off and he ran to him. And he turned around and said, hey, get my best robe out. I'm not talking about my secondhand robe. I'm talking about the best robe in my father's kingdom. Bring it on out. put it on I want to tell you what the devil does when the devil sees that a man is starting to turn back toward home he's going to throw opportunity in front of him his boys in the airline industry, he said, I, I want a job back at home in Florida I want to, and I want, to, I want to go back home, I got to get in church I got to be with my church family and and so when he gets a call from a friend, and friend said, hey, you want to move to Texas? He said, we've got a job for you there working in San Antonio. You can work on Air Force One. He goes, no, I'm trying to go to Florida. Guy said, okay, if you change your mind, let me know. And he hung up the phone. He goes, I just turned down a job to work for the president's airplane. But the Lord gave him a little bit less paying job in Florida. But they had better robes there. I said they had better robes there. I want to make a statement. It's not about the money. It's about the robe. I saw that boy the other day. You know, years ago, Brother Tim, he had danced in one of your, in one of your youth meetings. He danced. The boy loved the Lord, and then he got, it, he got it taken from him. He didn't have it all the way. I saw that boy sitting by his grandfather. He's standing there. I saw the words start hitting him. And I saw him raise his hand. And I knew that it was trying to break out. And I walked over and I looked at him and says, come on, you can do it. You can do it. I know the devil's telling you you're not worthy. You can do it. Boy, and that boy ran across the front, ran down the side, ran down the other side, came back praising God. Amen. The devil, amen. If you desire the devil, if you desire the devil cannot stop that desire. 
from manifesting. He may have told you you're lost, but he's wrong. He may have told you you come, can't come back, but he's wrong. The devil might have told you you'll never get out of drugs, but he's wrong. The devil may have told you you'll not be healed, but he's wrong. Somebody tell him he's wrong. I got to finish this just part of what Balaam, Balaam said there. But he said, hey, Balak, listen to this. This is a good one. I've received commandment to bless, and he's blessed. I can't reverse it. Tried to stop this meeting from happening. I can't reverse it. He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Hold on just a second, bud. I want you to know there's iniquity all over Jacob. But God hadn't seen it. You know why God never saw it? I want to tell you if the blood of bulls and goats could stop, amen, the sight of God. What about the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen. Not only will he never see it, he'll never remember it. He won't know where it is. There's power in the blood. I said there's power in the blood. What's your name, buddy? Enoch. Enoch. That's a pretty good name to have in the message. You know he walked with God? Good. So are you. Amen. Amen. Now, Enoch last week, that boy, I saw him on his computer. Well, I want to tell you something about the power of the blood. Because Enoch, as the service was going forth, he says, Lord, I reject that way of life. I don't want it. That's not who I am. And God says, you can have the better robe. He said, God, will you forgive me? He says, find out. And God said, I forgive you. And devil comes back. And he said, now, Lord, Enoch here, I saw him here on this. I even got the time stamp. God says, I don't know. Do you know how frustrating it is? When the all-seeing, all-knowing God, the omniscient one who knows everything, who sees every gnat blink its eye, he knows every hair of your head, where it is and where it's gone. Amen. He knows everything about you, and he turns to the arch enemy and says, I don't know. the answer election was the answer God do you see their faults uh, here when I look on it when I look upon those people of the message when I look upon the people of even light tabernacle when I look on the people of house of fellowship put your name there when I look upon the people there's a shout of the king in the camp the shout is there 
The voice of God is in her. I look upon her, I see the blood. I look upon here, I see the prophet. I cannot see perverseness in Israel because God is with them. I look on them, I see myself. I, I've tried, Balak. I've really tried, old buddy, but I got to tell you, he won me. He brought them out of Egypt. They got the strength of a unicorn. There's no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel. It shall be said of them at Evening Light Tabernacle. It shall be said of them at this youth meeting. What has God done? I want to tell you what he done. He healed some folks. He saved some folks. He filled some folks. I want to tell you what God has wrought in this meeting. The devil has lost his hold and the devil cannot stay. Somebody got to tell the devil this time is up. You're dangerous. You're dangerous. You move up in that sphere of faith, you're dangerous. I'm not done, Balak, I'm not done. He's still anointing me. He's still anointing me. He said, behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion. Wait a minute. That's what I'm called. <laughs> Now what is this here? Old buddy. Old buddy, it says they're the lion. That's what I'm called. No, no, it says as a lion. When it talks about you. You look like the real deal, but you're not. These are the real deal. Yeah, rise up. Balak said, hey, shut the meeting up. You know what? Just shut up. I kind of know what he said, Timothy. I've learned a few phrases. <laughs> Balak said, one more time. One more time. I'll bring you to another place. I'm closing. I'll bring you to another place. One more time. Three, three, three. And Balak lifted up his eyes. And he, he said, I see them abiding in their tents according to their tribes. Their order is still there. I've got to tell you something. This is one of the greatest miracles of the book of Numbers that I've ever seen. That a whole adult population got wiped out. But the new generation never lost their strength. They went right on in in the same order, in the same power, in the same God. And they took the land, what the old generation couldn't do. Amen. God did it through you. said, you know what? I'm done with this meeting. I'm done. I'm done. Quit it. Balaam said, man, he still anoint me. I got to say one more thing, Balak. I got to say one more thing. One more thing. And this, you're probably not going to like this, Balak, but I got to say one more thing. I'm going to take up a parable and I will advertise thee to thee what this people shall do to your people. Can we stop now? It's good time to stop. I don't want to hear the rest. I'm going to tell you what he'll do to your people in the last days. 
I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that because you know what? I've come down with great wrath and I'm going to finish. I don't want to hear what these people do. Well, you got to hear it anyhow. I'm going to tell you what it is. There's going to be a scepter rise up. There's going to be a star rise up. Amen. And you're not going to stop that one. Amen. You can't stop it. I want you to know, why don't you start off this meeting the right way and say, God, I'm here. Make me dangerous to the kingdom of evil. Make me dangerous to the power of the enemy. I'm here to be healed. I'm here to be delivered. How about you, young man? Are you ready to go all the way with God? Are you ready to go all the way, young lady? Then go. Then go all the way. Amen. Come on, buddy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How goodly are your tents? You're the people of God. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your hands and praise Him right now? Just lift your voices to Him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and rising up this new generation, Lord people of the book, in the land of the book, taking possession, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Overcoming every enemy, Lord. Sin falling at our feet, sickness falling around us. Oh, we bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved Yeah. 